sanitizer on them? Should I let nature take its course? And these are questions you have to then start asking yourself and finding the answers. And one of the most important aspects of taking responsibility is being having the ability to say, I don't know. Hey, what yep. should I feed him? I actually don't know. I'm not yep. going to be pig-headed and pretend that I actually know. So now I'm going to ask people who are surrounding me, like in a tribe. It wasn't just us that had raised our kids. It was the brothers, the sisters, the aunts, uncles, and the elders. So there was no pressure to be a parent then because everybody raised the kids. Whereas our society today just completely makes that, uh, it just completely changes it. So therefore it's like, hey, like I know Karen, I know this person, I know, that. I know they know about it, I'll ask them. And it's not like a reflection on me that I'm incompetent. It's like, I'm just asking somebody else in my tribe what I should feed my kid or what, you know what I mean? It's just like, it takes the pressure away and then also the other thing is that if you're honest you got to accentuate the positive wow, i feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to Karen Swain teacher of deliberate creation accentuating the positive showing you a way to a better life accentuating the positive it's not just fad it's sanity who in their right mind would accentuate anything else on the road I don't set questions I just let the let it unfold but what I want to do is just tell people about you so hi everyone welcome to our Facebook live with uh, Karen Swain and Tom Barnett thank you welcome to the show Tom thank you I saw your, you know, your piece to camera, how long ago was that? Like six months ago that you put out that went viral and six months ago you did that piece? Maybe. Yeah, it was like the start of April. Yeah. And I so agreed with everything you said and I shared it to a few groups and a couple of people got upset about it because they're like, because <laughs> a lot of people are sharing a lot of stuff. And, yeah. and what you were saying seems so controversial to, to the mainstream narrative, right? And, mm-hmm. But I knew everything you said, uh, both from my background and from my intuitive abilities, I knew everything you said was spot on. And I just wanted to reiterate it really and, and explain it like like how and why and just to alleviate a bit of fear and educate people but let me tell people a bit about you so Tom Barnett is a holistic health practitioner who studied both conventional and alternative methods he found most of what he learned to be only theory because when he was faced with his own health issues, he was forced to find some real answers. His questioning mind has given him a unique point of balance in several several different fields, and Tom speaks only from experience rather than theory today. He's been a political candidate, uh, practiced true law, which we'll speak about too, written two books, and has lived homeless and without money, which is interesting. He always puts an experience before material or monetary gain, gain, which has given him many valuable lessons. Tom's main goal with a client or with his audience is to inspire them to open new avenues of thought. And what's your website, Tom? You've just put up a new website. Yeah, that's uh, tombarnett.tv. It's just got the mailing list open at the moment. It'll be ready in maybe a week. It'll go up. Go up. Oh, okay. I thought it would be ready by now. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just it's got to be it's got to be done right. But the mailing list is all there, so people can jump on and um, sign on for it, and then get a notification when it, all the content's there. Cool. All right. Okay. So, uh, like you, I studied 
And like you, what I studied was theory and there were a lot of holes. I did five years full-time study as a naturopath when I was like in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it was theory and there were a lot of holes in like, we don't know why this happens and we don't know why that happens, but that scientist thinks that it's this way. And so I just, after five years full-time study, I thought I knew nothing and I just kept looking. Tell me about your story, like what was happening? What did you do? Kind of same thing. I was, um, well, when I left school, I was good at two things. One was sport and one was science. So I, I wanted to I was tennis snare drum. I, was, uh, I wanted to do sports science then because I wanted to combine the two. Um, I knew that I would study because even before going into college, I used to go to the library at uh, a private university when I was in high school after school and I'd study medical textbooks and things like that because I was really fascinated with how the body works. So when I got into college, almost everything just seemed way too just dumbed down. Didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, when you ask questions, you'd get like, you get the people getting angry at you for asking questions because they question their, um, their course materials and everything. So, um, you know, it just left, left me with a bit of uh, dismay about the educational system. Um, I thought uni would be different than school, but it just wasn't. It was worse. And uh, so, yeah, then when I got sick in my early 20s, I thought I could rely on everything that I'd learned from, you know, studying science and medicine and things like that. But it turned out that a lot of that just didn't hold water at all. And neither did going and seeing several doctors, several specialists who cost like $500 for a session. And I lost all my money because nobody could help me, despite the fact that they all thought they knew what they were doing. So, um, yeah, so that led me to have to find different avenues because when you're desperate, you can't just take that as an answer. It's like, well, no, I've got to fix this. This is, I'm not actually alive right now. So I really had to. And that's what forces you down different roads that you would not ordinarily take or even be aware of and this is a problem i think with people now you know how you said that it was a bit controversial what i said for a mainstream mind it's like for somebody like that they just don't even know that there's anything else there let alone be able to take it in because they just i just have never been to a place where they've had to they've had to know so um yeah so that's kind of what led me down that road well, yeah, well, interestingly enough, few of the people that were um, sort of worried about me posting it were not mainstream minds. There were healers and shamans. And, but I think that, uh, yeah, it's interesting. A lot, of, a lot of people know they're here to make a difference and go down that shamanic road or that sort of healing road, but they don't have the science background or the mainstream background. So they don't really understand the status quo of all that uh, knowledge. And, um, and they don't question it. They have their points of view and they kind of practice that points of view, but they don't question the other point of view. And what I have found in 30 years of doing this work is that when um, the shift hits the fan, the shit hits the fan and people get sick with cancer, even if they're healing practitioners, they'll go into the mainstream and have chemotherapy, which mm. not all of them, but many of them, which always has shocked me because it holds such an authority in our lives. And yeah. uh, so you, in that piece that you did to camera, you talked about what you'd studied, which I found very impressive. So do you want to tell us what you studied? You saw a microbiologist and blah, 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 just like rattle off what you sort of looked into. Yeah. Well, see, this is the thing when people think, oh, somebody's a doctor or somebody's a this or a that. It's funny because they think, oh, you've studied for six years and you must know everything. But the reality is that your first year is communication skills, maths, a physics, chemistry, the fourth. And then the next, oh, the, then the next semester you're doing like all these core subjects, which are basically the repeat of high school. If you went to a good high school, 
Then second year is getting a few other blocks put into place. You're starting to specialize, but not really. You're just kind of adding, it's kind of like you're doing bit parts. It's like I'm doing a unit here and a unit there. And then they all are supposed to tack together to make this degree, but there's never any real like wholeness to it all. So you're just kind of tacking together bit parts that might not even be relevant to each other. And then they, they create this certificate. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to know what you're doing. But the reality is just not that at all. Like people put doctors, scientists, lawyers and all that on pedestals, but they haven't learned anything of real value, except of course, I'm not, not all of them, obviously, you know, there's a lot of good that doctors do. And, you know, a lot of what I've learned came from scientists. It's not like I made it up and I did the test. I learned it from scientists, but they're the scientists that aren't on the board of agriculture's payroll or the board of medicine's payroll. You know, they're independent scientists who nobody knows about and nobody will ever hear about because like a musician, like there's musicians in the street that play Malambimbi that are better than every single top 40 artists. But you know who the top 40 artists are because they've got marketing behind them. You don't know who these genius musicians are in the street because there's no money behind them. Nobody's paying for them to be heard. So uh, it's the same sort of principle with science. So anyway, I studied, uh, I studied just science, like which was a broad topic. Then it specialized to uh, exercise science and physiotherapy. And then I went into, uh, which is all there, all the base uh, parts of medicine. So if you're doing a medical degree, then you would just have gone on specialized after. But it was just, I could see at the beginning that it was just not stacking up anyway. So then I studied three or four different uh, variations of a science degree. And then when I dropped out, I just continued to study because people, again, this is something people don't realize, is you essentially just wrote learning from a textbook not even all the textbook, just certain parts and wrote learning to pass a multiple choice test with maybe some short answers. You can get 50% on that test and get your degree. You're a fully qualified scientist. You could have no idea what you're doing. You might not remember it the next month because you wrote, learned and did a multiple choice test. So again, the educational system does not create educated people. Yeah, so, I'm, uh, just, I'm just going to interrupt you. This is Riley says a doctor can pass with a D and still be your doctor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, kind of because, well, when you, when you're getting more into the medical and you're doing your actual medical examinations, you do have to get greater than 80%. You can't get a D and be right. a doctor, okay. but, to, but to get to that, to get to that place, you certainly can, you can just be scooting through P's get degrees as they say. And that's, uh, that's how a lot of people get through. They go to the uni bar and get drunk and they please their parents by bringing their grades home. And they never really wanted to be a doctor in the first place. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, so <laughs> Uh, the, um, yeah. So anyway, the system, uh, I, I just got dismayed by it. And so what I did though, is what I've done throughout all of my kind of learning career is I have, uh, seeked out people who are proficient and then I pay them to teach me. So rather than continuing through the, um, you know, this, this university system, which I just did not like or see value in, I found people who are high level practitioners, traditional doctors, naturopaths, uh, Czech practitioners, uh, kinesiologists, just uh, acupuncturists, and I would sit with them. I'd pay them their hourly rate, and I would say, "Teach me about this. Don't just teach me it. Show me it. Show me how it works. Let me feel it." And that's how I learned a lot more about um, biochemistry, um, you know, virology, microbiology, and everything like that. And um, and put then putting it into practice on myself and with others, and doing experiments so that everything that was in here, I, it had to be proven in the real world. It couldn't just be theory. And that, and so I spent about five or six years just doing that. Mm. So tell us what you know about a virus. So um, 
My understanding is simply that it is an excretion from a cell. It's something that's made within a cell, first of all, and it's a response to stimulus. So a virus is essentially, to me, a heavy-duty cleaning agent, and much like, and that's what fungus, parasites, and bacteria are as well. They're essentially janitors or cleaning agents for the body. But because those are living, they are alive, they have some form of biological um, factor that makes them alive, respiratory system, digestive system, circulatory system, or whatever, uh, a cell nucleus, things like that, which a virus doesn't have any of those. A virus is simply not a living thing by any means. It has intelligence because all things have intelligence that perform a function, but it's not technically living according to science and biology. So when a living thing is, uh, I guess, put into contact with certain levels of toxicity or a chemical agent or whatever, it can kill it. And so when a, a fungus parasite or bacteria uh, cannot perform its function of cleaning something out because it's simply it can't live in that environment and it's killed, then a virus will need to be produced because it's the heavy duty agent that can't be killed and it will do a very effective job of cleaning out what needs to be cleaned out, removing what needs to be removed. But that's also why you'll feel ill when that happens because the body has to then process the excretions from the cell and that's what the symptoms are. But a virus can't kill you. You can only be killed from having a weak mind or a weak body or both. And uh, you're just too toxic. You just spent too many years disregarding nature's laws and thinking that you know better than God and nature and thinking that your beliefs hold water <laughs> and living by them. And nature doesn't care what you believe. I said that in that first video. Like you can think whatever you want about hippies being like off in the, with the fairies and whatever and eating all that organic food like losers. And it's like, well, you know, you think what you want, but nature doesn't give a shit about what you think. It's just if, if you go through it, that's just what, anyway, that, it's that mind. That's what kills people. It's not a virus. Yeah. Look, I, I, at the beginning of this, I put up a video saying the same thing. I, I thought about my ascension symptoms as I was evolving, you know, as, a, as someone evolving. And I just came down with over a period, over a few decades, like these, these radical flu symptoms where I just wanted people to shoot me, like just kill me now because I feel so sick. I remember just sitting in the, the bath with the shower going over me. My husband came back from the chemist. I just asked him to get me anything anti-convulsant, like to stop the vomiting, anti, just pain, like anything. And he kind of just didn't really have anything. And I just looked at him and said, just shoot me now, please kill me. And I, I just meant it. But, yeah. you know, flu-like symptoms. So I know I get that it feels crap. But it is the body's response to imbalance or um, toxicity. And it is, feel like symptoms is the body's response to ridding the body of toxins. So if you think about it, uh, vomiting is the, you know, the stomach ridding itself of the content, right? Mm -hmm. And um, sweating is the skin eliminating toxins. Diarrhea is the bowels eliminating. It's, you know, like smelly urine. It's all elimination. It's all working for us. You know, it's all this beautiful system that we don't need to fight. I mean, obviously going through it's not pretty, yeah. but it's like all working for us. And so medical science says, fight this, fight this. You know, we're in this war against the virus. Mm. Tom, can we catch viruses? Well, no, because they're not alive to catch in the first place. So it's, uh, it, yeah, it's literally impossible. The other thing about a virus that makes it impossible to catch is that it is made within a tissue. And even the scientists that make vaccines will tell you that because they incubate a virus in animal tissue. You don't just make it. It's not like a, you can't just make it. It can't replicate itself. 
it has to be formed within tissue. So therefore, uh, the only you have to get that into your body. So then you say, well, how come we can't breathe it in? Or how come we can't swallow it and then get a virus? Well, if it's in tissue, how do you get tissue into the insides of your body? It's like you, you've got mucous membranes all over your body. If you breathe it in, you've got mucous membranes through your respiratory system. It can't get into your lungs. It's too big. Like tissue can't get in. That's why we don't die every day because if we could get foreign particles into our bloodstream, we'd be dead. We wouldn't pass day one. You know, we'd, there'd be no humans around. Exactly. So it also can't be passed into you by eating it because we break it down. It doesn't pass through the hydrochloric acid in the stomach because, um, again, if we were absorbing foreign particles all the time, we'd be dead. We'd be so, so inflamed that we'd just keel over within a day. So you still can't catch a virus. That way. There's no way you can get it in except directly to the bloodstream. And the only way you can get it directly to the bloodstream is introducing it into the blood. And it's very convenient to do that by way of a needle. And that's the only way you can get a virus into the body. Okay. The only way you can get a virus into the body is through an injection. Mm. And um, that's what they're planning to do with vaccinations. You know, so the theory of vaccination is that if there is something that's causing illness or it's causing symptoms, which are the symptoms of illness is, is the body's response to imbalance and it's trying to rectify itself or heal itself or balance itself or detox itself. That's what most illness is. Even cancer is a beautiful way of the body isolating, you know, cells that are not communicating so that the rest of the body can function and it forms a tumour. It's just magnificent how the body, how intelligent the body is, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, when I was studying this stuff, after five years full-time study, I didn't see anything that was going to change the world, so I opened a furniture and homeware shop. But <laughs> what I did see was I wanted every school child to study anatomy and physiology and know how their body works. Mm -hmm. I wanted that to be in every school. And uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Anyway, I can't, can't remember. You know, I went into this because mum dies of cancer when I'm like 15, 16. So I'm like scratching my head thinking, okay, how'd that happen? Yeah. And, you know, questions, questions, questions. That's why I so relate to you, the great questioner. And I think that we all have to just keep asking questions. You know, we just yeah. don't swallow the narrative, anyone's narrative, whether it's a guru, healer, mainstream mm -hmm. media, anyone, like keep asking questions. Yeah. Um, but I've totally lost my train of thought. It'll come back in a minute. <laughs> Can we catch a virus? Can we catch bacteria? Yeah, you can catch bacteria. Bacteria is transmissible because they're a living organism. They can survive on saliva, for example. You could spit it at somebody. You can get, you can get it. It still has to be transmissible by an agent, usually. But, uh, but that's transmissible because they're a living thing. And so, um, yeah, same with fungus. You can transfer fungal infections as well. Exactly. So it's so interesting when you first came out and you said you can't catch a virus, it was so um, controversial because the whole narrative is, you know, this thing is, is spreading across the world and people are catching it. And, and so here you come out saying, hey, guys, you can't catch a virus. <laughs> it's just yeah. completely the opposite from what we've been fed. Yeah. So why do you think that the mainstream narrative is you know, this, you, you can catch this virus, wear masks and sanitize. What I find hilarious is that a virus is a virus and a bacteria is a bacteria. It is a different substance. And any doctor or naturopath or healer should know that if you use an antibacterial, yeah, it's not working on a viral thing, right? So you yeah. need an antiviral or you need an antifungal. It's a different substance. So using antibacterial for viruses is useless. 
And yeah. yet everywhere I go in Sydney, and I'm, I'm sure that everywhere, everyone all over the world, you know, we're pumping this antibacterial stuff at restaurants, at Kmart, at Woolworths, you know, it's like this antibacterial is everywhere. Yeah. I <laughs> know, so, oh, it's hilarious. But that's the thing is that the um, suggestion and the conditioned mind is just so powerful. It's getting, and it can make people kill each other. Like, uh, you know, there's plenty of cultures that can be brainwashed into thinking that another group of humans are the enemy and just kill them and not have any remorse about it or anything. Just go, oh, I did the right thing. <laughs> so it's not too much of a stretch of the imagination to think that people can pump hand sanitizer on their hands and think they're doing the right thing, you know, if we can kill each other and think we're doing the right thing. So, uh, yeah, but it's, it's funny too, because even like most people should remember when they were a kid. And uh, if they grew up in a mainstream family like I did, and then you, you get really sick when you're a kid and you go to the doctor and you're like expecting medicine, allopathic medicine is like the answer to everything. So, are you sick? You have that, take this. You have this, take that. Same naturopathic medicine does the same thing. You have this, take that. And then, so you go in and then the doctor goes, well, he's got a virus. Then you go, well, what do I take? Well, you don't take anything. Give me some antibiotics. No, we can't give you antibiotics. It won't work on a virus. Exactly. You learn that when you're a kid. Like, why do people forget that now? And that's coming, that's coming from the horse's mouth. That's coming from the mainstream narrative that's pushing this viral uh, outbreak transmissible theory. And it's like, yeah, but when I was a kid, you even told me that that doesn't happen. So... <laughs> I know. Well, okay. So I guess I just wanted to have this conversation to educate people. What do we do with this information? So now we know that the mainstream narrative is not really rooted in science or even common sense. And yet it perpetuates and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and it's locking us in our homes and it's shutting down businesses. What do we do with this information, Tom, do you think? So it's, I think partly what it does is it just needs to be a personal individual process because once you don't have fear in your life then you operate completely differently and then what you project out into the world is also completely different so then by way of um without getting too complex about things but the um when you have that it changes the world in a in a positive way and it can reverse the like the the global kind of uh <laughs> consciousness that is thinking a certain way and acting a certain way because it kind of is like a network and it requires as much as possible to support that kind of way of being. Whereas if there's enough people like what people call waking up and that's the first stage is realizing that it's fake and it's false, but the, you have to go quite deep into that to get to the stage where you're not fearful then. Because sometimes when you wake up and then you realize everything's been a lie and then you feel like a bit groundless, like shit, I'm floating and I've got nothing to grab onto. I have no solid framework anymore. That's what beliefs tend to be. So by letting go of all that, which takes a little bit of work and a bit of time, you become very calm and very stable and very uh, confident and a big trust and faith in nature that everything's okay and everything will always be okay. And you have full control over your own health. And then you're just like, well, I'm sweet. I don't care. I can go out you know, amongst the bowler plagues or whatever that are apparently going on. And I'm not going to get sick. I can go into a room full of people who are, have colds or flus. I'm not going to get sick. And if I do, well, you know, if I get a cold, well, great, I get a clean out. But at the same time, you know, you don't, you're not walking around with fear. Therefore, what you put into the world and then what you put into the world when you type a message to somebody or you're interacting with somebody online or out at the shops, that's what can turn around the world as opposed to having to um, fight it. You know, yeah, do anything specific. Critical mass, critical mass of love and calmness. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, at the beginning of this, I put... Um, I put up some Facebook posts and 
because uh, the narrative was like, you know, don't go outside, you're going to catch it. And I'm like, did Jesus worry about catching leprosy when he walked amongst the lepers? Did, yeah. did Lady Diana worry about catching AIDS when she went and visited the AIDS patients and hugged them? And, mm-hmm. you know, like live fearlessly. We don't have to worry about this catching stuff. It, we do have responsibility for our health and, and, it, and it lies within us alone. Um, it lies within us. Look, when I was studying naturopathy what happened was the course the the school went bust went belly up and it ended up being in my house I'd moved in with my boyfriend who became my husband we had this empty three-story terrace with no furniture so we filled it full of chairs and ran the school from there (laughs) and um, I had Patria King come and visit us and Patria King is one of those magnificent healers who was diagnosed with cancer and told she was going to die uh, I think she went to Mary Magdalene's cave in France and meditated, but but basically meditated and her cancer turned around. Um, Ian Ian uh, Gawler is the same. He was he had a he was his leg was amputated, and the doctor said you're going to die. And he meditated and the cancer went away. So it's so interesting that our society spends billions, probably trillions and trillions and trillions, on cancer research. Mm-hmm. And yet the answer is so simple. Yeah. It's just sit and meditate and release your trauma or your pain or release the negative, you know, entities or emotions mm-hmm. and you'll be sweet. And, yeah. yet, and there's so many people who have demonstrated that. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting world we live in. What does Mark yeah. Andrews say here? All these, there is major illness in the world and it's called conjunctive dissonance. Uh, Interesting. Okay, so critical mass, you're talking about critical mass. Once you're educated and you realise that you can't catch any disease really, even if it's considered unbelievably contagious, that uh, your calmness and your peace is going to add to the calmness and peace in the world and that's what's going to change the world, not you fighting against the authorities or you know, the narrative or anything. I had this great conversation that I just uploaded to YouTube about blame and shame. And this magnificent woman said that blame and shame is not an emotion. It's actually an entity unto itself that you take on. Yeah. And um, and as you take it on, it causes all these other things like depression and anger and rage. And she said she suffered 30 years of migraine headaches. And once she released blame and shame, you know, like didn't see it as personal, but saw it as an entity amongst as, it, as itself and just released it. Like, no, thanks. See ya. Go back to where you came from. Not taking it on, not taking it on in conversations, not taking it on. Like when somebody else is involved in this blame, shame conversation, not taking it on, not getting upset, just saying, isn't that interesting? You know, seeing it from an objective point of view, then all negative emotions seem to dissipate, which is a fascinating conversation. But what we're seeing, Tom, is we're seeing so much blame, shame and guilt sort of stuff happening as people are pointing at the pedophiles and pointing at the bloody governments and, you know, it's kind of the blame, shame game is sort of risen. What do you want to say about that? Yeah, well, it's also a choice because a lot of people want that. They need drama and um, stuff and gossip and this and that. They need something because it's an identity. And same with being sick is an identity for a lot of people. Um, you know, like even if you were, even if you're exposed to bacteria, parasites, fungus or whatever, they're only performing a function. So even though you can like catch those things, 
if you have a clean body, they have nothing to feed on and make you to feel ill. They only perform a function. And then we have this war mentality that you were talking about. But if we have a war, if you and I have a war, there's an attrition. Like whoever wins in the end, there's still like blood everywhere from both of us. And so you can't go to war with things and war against the pedos and war against the government, war against this and that. It's a mentality that we're infected with. And I think it's to do with the colonial mind that just decided it's going to take over the world and war against all the indigenous cultures in the world and take over the resources and, and all the beauty that they had. And then um, it's just continued into all of us today, in, in, unless we've unconditioned. But everything is a choice as well. You know, that letting go of emotions, letting go of the guilt. And, like guilt and shame are such core fundamental states of being and they're the lowest. And an energetic point of view, they're the lowest. And it is literally a decision to let it go. and. Uh, and to let it go, though, you also have to be willing to take on the courage and make the decision to be more than that, to not to be. Uh, it's so easy to walk around to being, oh, I'm not worthy of that. Oh, I don't deserve that. It's, it's easy because you don't have to try. It's like I said to a friend the other day, it's the easiest thing in the world as a man to walk around as the tough guy. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing touches me. Nothing hurts me. Uh, you know, whatever. Nothing bothers me. And this, that. It's the easiest thing in the world to be tough. It's so easy because you don't have to be open. It's, it's actually, it's, it takes way more strength to be open and to uh, openly express something to somebody or to yourself, to be honest with yourself. So it's just this fundamental uh, uh, place where people I think sit in life that is literally a decision and, and a change is only a decision away as well. Absolutely. There's a, there's a comment here from Catman. Uh, confusion. If you can't catch a virus, but they are uh, documenting a specific virus, you know, the name of it. Does that mean the virus is coming out of people's personal biome because their body needs to release it? Not sure how this applies to flu season, which is another virus that people catch. Thanks for your clarification. Well, we all, yeah, so, uh, so we're all more or less the same like not spiritually, but biologically, we're the same, mostly. We all have differences. But so what that means is that we all have lung tissue, liver tissue, um, you know, uh, and it, all our tissues are essentially the same, made of the same stuff. So if we're exposed to the same stimulus, we'll essentially give the same response. If the temperature drops by 30 degrees right now outside, we'll all get cold. We'll all like, shit, it's cold. And we're all looking at each other shivering. Or Unless you're Wim Hof. Sorry, go yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if it gets really hot, we're all, we'll all sweat. You know, it's like, it's uh, unless you're sick and you can't. But anyway, the point is yeah. we have the same biological response to stimulus. So when it's a certain like flu season, so to speak, that's like nature telling the body that if required, it's a good time to undergo a cleansing or a cleaning. And if and a whole tribe would go through that at once because it's like, this is the time. It's safe. It's like there's food around. There's this, that, and the other. Same as when birds know when to fly south and buffalo know when to just start running across whatever field they're in. Our seeds know when to sprout or germinate. It's just like an intelligence that is related to the environment around us. So that's why we can all internally create the same uh, virus as a response to stimulus. And it might be a lung clean out. It might be a liver clean out. It might be a stomach clean out or uh, whatever it is. So um, the other aspect, though, is that because it's a response to stimulus, if we were all exposed to the same trauma, if that is pollutants, pollutant in the air or, or radiation uh, poisoning or pollution from, you know, whatever's being sent our way from a radiation point of view, then we're all going to have the same response. So that frequency will affect a certain frequency in the body, be that the lungs, the heart, 
whatever. So that explains why pockets of people can all get the same thing at the same time, but still that is an internal response to the same stimulus. Mm-hmm. And to look at flu not as getting sick and something that you need to be at war against, but as an opportunity that your, your body is detoxing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a mindset. Like it's only Western culture that, that thinks it's bad. Like Eastern culture always celebrated getting a cold because they're going, oh, it's like a spring clean out. It's this, this is... Uh, something that is moving out to make way for the new and it's exciting they actually uh, they um they value it they have uh, what it's like a sacred thing it's kind of yeah you know, we think it's crap and we take i know and what, what's so interesting tom is that if you do value it and and look at it as sacred and 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 be grateful for it you overcome it so quickly and yeah. you don't suffer through it. You know, you yeah. can like go, oh, poor me, I'm so sick. Oh, poor me, poor me. And then you suffer through it. But if you value it and are grateful, like, thank you, thank you, body, thank you, thank you. And sure, it's going to be uncomfortable for a while, but you don't suffer as much. Now, there's a great question here and I'm losing them. Okay, what is Ebola, Tom? How is it spread from Mark Andrews? Uh, vaccines. It's spread from vaccine. Do you yeah, want to all of, them, like- all of them, the SARS, the Ebola, AIDS, swine flu, avian flu, they're all spread through vaccines. They're all added to vaccines. So uh, generally what they do is they're cooked up in a lab. They are um, not cooked as in, I mean, so they're incubated in tissue in a lab. And like AIDS, for example, was made as a cross between, I think it was, I uh, can't remember exactly, but it's like, um, what's the childhood cancer you get? uh leukemia yeah it's made from leukemia cells and then something else and that is like they spliced it together to make aids and then uh what happened was they gave out free uh they you know so they put it into the um uh now i'm, I'm going to sleep in my mind what's the <laughs> what's the liver one hepatitis they put hepatitis. it into Hepatitis yeah, B, hepatitis A, B, C. Hepatitis B vaccine, and they were giving right. it to the undesirables. And the undesirables at the time were the homosexuals, and there was a big pockets of America because they were intravenous drug users. And then, um, but 10% of the population were actually heterosexual, and so 10% of the population in America at the time were, had AIDS. And it was because they'd taken the hep, the hep vaccine. Then what they did was they loaded into the smallpox vaccine and sent 120-odd million vials to Africa, and then... Um, and then just injected into the African nations. And then what happened is that they were getting sick. Uh, England, the, the British government said, well, we can provide medicine for that. It's called like a form of chemotherapy. And then it didn't really work and it killed a lot of people as well. But then, uh, but then it basically gave the African nations such a huge medical debt they could never pay. So then the government said, well, that's fine. We'll just take your resources. That's how you can pay us back. So that's how within a short period of time, they took over 30 something African nations and then not long after they'd acquired all of them. And so Ebola is, the, is a similar thing. It's just a, it's a man-made um, virus that's put into vaccines and then injected. Like you look at the degree to which they are forced, that they are putting massive campaigns into vaccinating as many people in the third world as possible. And it's only to take over their resources, that's it. It's that one world agenda pushed through the UN under the auspices of uh, humanitarian medical aid and they're injecting all these Africans and uh, with with diseases, and bankrupting the countries as a result, taking over more of the the resources. So it's pretty sickening. But that's how you catch Ebola. You get an, you get wow. a vaccine. 
Wow. So, wow. Okay. And, you know, another agenda might be population. Um, Decrease. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Making it smaller. Uh, yeah. There's too many. Yeah. The mindset is there's, there's not enough resources on this planet for seven, eight, nine billion people. So let's just wipe a few billion off. Well, and then, there actually are though. That's the thing. Of course yeah. there are. There is infinite. And also it's just our practices, which are not sustainable, not the resources, yeah. but our practices. That's right. So, um, you know, eating meat is a practice. The way we're doing it is a, it's not sustainable. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just the way we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, the petrochemical industry is not sustainable. Yet. And so it's just our, pra- you know, it's our practices that are not sustainable, not, not the resources. Okay, yeah. there's a few wow viruses. It's so genocide. So let's talk about vaccine. So the, you know, the theory behind vaccine is that you catch a virus or a bacteria, something, and then the body has an immune response and then the body, you know, kills this terrible thing that's making you sick. So if we can give the body that immune response, then you create antibodies and so you can't get sick. That's the narrative behind the vaccination. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, well, it's kind of... um it makes sense. That's the thing. Like everything makes sense unless you've found, like you've really looked into it and found evidence to the contrary. And that made sense to me through all, all of my up to mid to late twenties, because that's what I'd learned. Yeah. That's what I used to tell people. And then, yeah. but when, but when I uh, got sick and when other things, when things just weren't adding up and then I, I was like, well, that's not really. And then that's how I found other works. Like it's, that all came from Louis Pasteur's germ theory. And then when I found out about his contemporary, Antoine Bechamp, and then I was like, well, what's he about? What's this terrain stuff? And, I, and oh, prior to that, I'd heard about uh, Rudolf Steiner and his methods. So then mm-hmm. it's kind of, I'd heard about him, but, you know, what's in the head kind of is takes precedence over the, what you think. So that was already in there and it took a while to come around to that. And then so I went through that side of things. But yeah, it's kind of... Uh, the way I kind of got to everything was I just took a step back and I just looked at it all and I just went, well, if germ theory was right and vaccines were so important, how did our population continuing to increase right up to the 1800s? There you go. Like, like how? Without yeah. vaccines and this thing, like, would, you know, how, how does that work? Yeah. And then, um, and that's when I just started because even when I started researching vaccines and everything, I still thought that some of them could be dangerous and weren't necessary, but there was still some that you should probably get for five or six years into Mm -hmm. my like thirties. I still thought that until I'd done so much research into it that I was just like, there is literally no such thing as a vaccine that is either safe, effective or necessary. All of them are bad and unnecessary. None of them. There's no such thing as a vaccine. You should probably consider just in case there's none. (laughs) It doesn't exist. I started looking into it 35 years ago and I was studying naturopathy and one of the students that I was studying with had um, contracted, um, what's the one they give you for the cripple? Um, What's the? Polio. Polio, thank you. She got the polio vaccine and then she got the polio. And she was a very big personality. I lost touch with her. She was great. And she was kind of like, anyway and so she made me look into it because like you I would never have looked into it I would have completely swallowed the narrative hook like line and sinker and said yeah that makes sense and this is how so hence I have a baby and don't vaccinate her and I was literally thrown out of people's houses because mm. there was so much fear that I would be endangering her life and everybody else's life and the spread of fear ah look um so what do you want to tell people about you know, vaccinations, what do you think is a good alternative or how do we, um, you know, how do we go about this and not like upset the apple cart and start, start another war? 
Okay, well, I think the fundamental premise of it is that you just, you do need, it's a shifting of responsibility. So people like the idea of vaccines because they have no idea how to raise a kid and they don't want to be responsible for their kid getting sick or their, or instead of the responsibility for their kid getting sick, that higher mindset is I want to be responsible for my kid excelling. But that's a scary mindset because you can fail at that, you know? So that's, again, that's that mentality we were talking about before about guilt, shame and those lower lower vibrations as opposed to the, you know, wanting to create something meaningful and magical with your life. So uh, it's, it's a move away from vaccines are great because I don't have to do anything about my kid. It's not my responsibility. And then if they do get sick, it's the government's fault. It's the anti-vaxxers fault. It's not me because I'm, I can't be, you know, I can't be seen. My ego can't handle the fact that it has no idea of how to raise a child. So then we have to move away from that mindset and say, no, I am taking full responsibility for raising a healthy, happy and vibrant young living soul so then that's a completely different mindset so then that makes you think differently well maybe i have to find out about how food works maybe i have to find out about what i'm surrounding them with and whether that's harming them or it's helping them and maybe i need to find out whether or not it's it's useful to put them through the standard educational system or if we should homeschool them or find alternative educational methods and uh should i hide them from the sun should i hide them from viruses should i put sanitizer on them should I let nature take its course? And these are questions you have to then start asking yourself and finding the answers. And one of the most important aspects of taking responsibility is being having the ability to say, I don't know. Hey, what yep. should I feed him? I actually don't know. I'm not yep. going to be pig-headed and pretend that I actually know. So now I'm going to ask people who are surrounding me, like in a tribe. It wasn't just us that had raised our kids. It was the brothers, the sisters, the aunts, uncles, and the elders. So there was no pressure to be a parent then because everybody raised the kids. Whereas our society today just completely makes that, uh, it just completely changes it. So therefore it's like, hey, like I know Karen, I know this person, I know, that. I know they know about it, I'll ask them. And it's not like a reflection on me that I'm incompetent. It's like, I'm just asking somebody else in my tribe what I should feed my kid or what, you know what I mean? It's just like, it takes the pressure away. And then also the other thing is that if you're honest and you just say, hey, look, I actually have no idea what to feed my kid. Can you maybe give me some information? Nobody ever turns around if you're honest and says you're an incompetent parent. Mm. Nobody ever does. They go, oh, you need some help? Hey, I'm more than happy to give you some help. That's the, that's the response you get 100% of the time because people fear being, um, I'm never going to admit that I'm incompetent because otherwise I'll be looked down upon. Mm. But, it's, but you only look down upon if you are incompetent but pretend that you're not. That's when you look down upon. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if absolutely. You say, Look, I actually don't know how to do this. I'd love some help. You'll get more help than you can possibly deal with. You know, the way I did it, I, I grew up in a uh, an era where food was a reward. Look, it probably still is. If you're a good girl, you'll get an ice cream. If you're yeah, a good yeah. girl, you'll get a sweetie. And yeah. so I saw food as a reward. And hence, all of us who had really good genetics, my other brothers and mine, we're all fat, right? And so the way I brought up my daughter was I let her listen to her body. Like instead of telling her that food was good or bad, because as a naturopathic student, no one could agree on what to eat. Everyone had a different idea. The poor old egg, back then the egg was like, it's going to kill you and it's going to save you. And, and everyone had a different opinion. So I just figured nobody has the answers to what to eat, but your body might have the answers to what it needs, right? Like listen to that. So I used to ask her to listen to her body. And I remember walking into a shop once, she was probably about five or six. And I looked at a thing of Coke and I thought, oh, I feel like a Coca-Cola. I haven't had a Coke for ages. And I looked down at my daughter and I said, do you want a Coke? And she looked at me like, no, 
I want a water. And this man was walking out of the shop in a suit. And he looked at me and he looked at the kid and like the mother just offered the kid a Coke and the kid said, no, I want a water. Yeah. But listening to the body, you know, obviously I was craving sugar, probably always crave sugar, and she wasn't. And uh, I think that's the best way to go about it. Your body knows what it wants. Yeah. Talk to it. Listen to it. What do you, yeah. Instead mm. of, but, but the conditioned mind does override the body's need and want so you have to deal with the conditioned mind but try not to condition your kids yeah that anything is good or bad just like I was a vegetarian her father and his friends were not and she would come home and tell me that um you're you're I'm being dangerous and because I'm not feeding her meat and you know everyone had a different opinion Who, who could agree on anything um, okay, I want to get into politics. I'm missing all these questions, so they're kind of going past me. Tell me about your political career. Let's go there. Oh, it wasn't a career. I was just uh, I was just asked to run for the federal election for the uh, House of Representatives in my region, and that was three weeks before an election. And they needed somebody who could run for as a candidate who was articulate, wouldn't wouldn't like start yelling at people like some anti-vaxxer people just start can yell at, start yelling at people <laughs> and uh, somebody who could keep level head. And then, so I said, I'd do it. And then it actually ended up going really well. I'm still a member of the political party. And it, when they run again, I'll likely run as their candidate for this area. It's not a career though. It's never something I had an interest in. I was actually telling people when I was running the campaign, there's no point in voting because I was trying to educate people on what the political system and the government is all about. And, um, but I said, you know, it's good to know that, but still, if you want to vote for me, do it just to show that there's support for this kind of, um, for this kind of campaign, you know? So, sorry, I'm laughing. Someone says Tom Barnett for PM. <laughs> I'd back this. There was someone that posted, I think it was Mark, Andrew, something about join the against the government party. I can't find the comment now. It's gone past me. But um, what do you think about all these people that are against this and against that? Like, let's rally against the government. Let's rally against the vaccines. Let's rally again. Like, it's again, it's more war, isn't it? I'm sorry, yeah. Mark, but I mean, can we do it in a way that's a little bit more peaceful and intelligent rather than getting all upset and shaming? Oh, yeah, I mean, people? I agree. Like, I'm not somebody that likes, I don't go to protested rallies and things. I've gone to two rallies just to support the local people that are doing things, but, um, I just generally don't like it because whether you're for or against something, if you're focused on it, you're feeding it. Um, For me, I much prefer to just decide from a fundamental place of being a sovereign being, what do I want to create in the world? And then with enough people who have a critical mass of people that want to create the same thing, we don't even have to dismantle what's currently there. We're actually, it falls apart because we're not feeding it anymore. And we're creating this new way, this new, um, just we're creating the new. And that's my, that's how I see doing these things rather than picketing against and going against the government. Mark says my group is about unity. Maybe change the name of it, Mark, and call it uh, Unity Government Group or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. We need to, like, oh, people say, so what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So you can focus on what you want to create instead of what you disagree with because where you put your attention, where, where your attention goes, energy flows, right? So if you keep focusing on what you don't want, you're just going to expand it. And, um, you know, the marches, look, the world doesn't understand this. I, I just, I've been, yeah, and the world's waking up, which is kind of beautiful because I've been looking out into the world thinking, when is the world going to understand how we flow our energy creates our world? So what we focus on, we create. And, um, and the news pumps out bad news 
on a half hourly basis and gets the whole population to focus on everything that's going wrong in the world. So there is a system set up in the direct opposite of the laws of the universe, you know, call it law of attraction or deliberate creation or the, the whatever you want to call it. Uh, so focus on what you want and get together in groups or start podcast shows and talk about it or write books or sing songs or play music and, and, um, and put your energy into the world you want to create instead of focusing on the crumble in the world that's crumbling. What does it say here, Todd? Did Karen change her name? Cause Karen, cause she's such a Karen. <laughs> oh, thanks Todd. <laughs> No, my name's always been Karen. Chris says here, love you, Tom. I love your work, Tom. Do, anyway, do you want to sort of um, expand on that? Sure. Well, um, yeah, it's just, it's the, um, one of the things that I've said for a long time, even since I was a kid, because I just could not understand the way adults around me were behaving most of the time. And I kind of came to the conclusion <laughs> that most adults are like somewhere between seven and 12, 12 years of age internally, just trapped in an adult body. <laughs> so when you see this, the what people don't know what to do, they just see a crowd going and then I'll yell at stuff too. And it's kind of, it's not a bad thing because there's, there's an element of it that I see as the positive where there's some unity there, where there's, it's like people might be feeling afraid and alone. Oh, nobody, you know, I think there's something wrong, but nobody else thinks that. And all of a sudden they see a crowd of hundreds or millions of people and they go, oh, good. More people think the way I do. So that does raise the consciousness, consciousness. in that way. Yeah, because you like, feel unified. Yeah, yeah, you feel unified. You go, yes, okay, cool. There's more people, but now, but then, like, now, what do we do? <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. But at least it's a step in the right direction. Uh, so it's I, there's no short, quick answer to this. It's like, it's like it's like detoxification. It's like if you spend 30 years shoveling cow manure into an old cow shed, you're not getting that in a week. You got to undo what you've done. <laughs> and if you've spent 30 or 40 years conditioned a certain way and acting a certain way you just you're not going to like like a light switch just go oh, okay well i know exactly how to handle myself uh in my own unified field without work it's going to take years of work but you can cite that and then go in that direction so that means just first of all doing the basics which is are you living uh within nature's laws are you honoring uh the cycles of sleep wake cycles some of yeah, the the uh, lunar cycles the seasons are you honoring that? Are you eating according to those cycles as well? Are you eating natural and organic? Are you eating uh, or are you eating processed foods and things made by man? You know, you, the more you are connected to nature, the more time you're spending outdoors and not, you know, on a computer the whole time or uh, staying up late and whatever. That's going to help get you there. And then starting to be active rather than reactive. So if you find emotionally, you're like reacting to everything. Oh, this pisses me off. Oh, now I'm happy because somebody made me happy as opposed to being uh, an active participant in your own life, then that's, that's part of the journey too. You have to be, that word is used a lot, sovereign, but you just have to be like that. Like you, you are a unified field for yourself. And then psychologically, you know, what are your patterns? You know, are you, are you, a, uh, can, are you a result of your conditioning or are you starting to actually observe that stuff and just go, well, hang on, every time this happens, I do this. Why do I do that? Why do I think this? Is this real? You know, do I need this? Does this serve me? Is this my identity? Like really asking questions and then, and then figuring out what you do want and then establishing a dream because the force of creativity that put us here, it only knows how to create. It doesn't know like I'm not good enough or I can't do that or it'll be shit if I do that. It doesn't know that it only knows how to create. And then we, with our thinking, judging, critical mind, put, we, we tap that, we stop, we damn it. We damn this force of creativity that always wants to come through. And none of us are here by accident. So then the question has to be, well, if I'm here, it's gotta be for a reason. 
So what is it that I'm creating in the world? You know, it can't just be to get a job and pay taxes and then get vaccines. That's not what you put here to do. So then what is it? And if you don't know, just think of what you really, really don't want in your life. Like, you know, if I get to the end of my life and I did this, I'd be super pissed off. Like that would be a waste of life. So then you say, I definitely don't want that, whatever that is for you then that can help you to establish core values and that can help you to move in the direction of a dream. Like what is it that I want to create? What can I add to this world? And not to be, and to not be afraid of that. And once you kind of start putting all those into place, then you start becoming somebody who is making their own decisions, standing on their own two feet, creating from a higher source. And then that's kind of from there, whatever happens is good. Yeah. 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 Two forces of creation. We create through creation and we create through destruction. There are two forces of creation. Mm. Both work for us. You know, just in simple terms, I've said this many times, maybe you're in a job you hate and you wish you weren't there. As you hate it, you're actually destroying what you've created, which is the job. You've created the job. Yeah. And then as you're hating it and then you get the sack and then you're like so incensed, like, oh, I got fired. But it's like, but didn't you hate your job? Yeah. Well, weren't you unhappy? Yeah. But, <laughs> but I got fired. So you've actually created what you want through the destruction of what you've got. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing that in our world, right? We're seeing the destruction of what we've got, which is making room for the creation of what we want. Mm-hmm. But as we're watching the destruction, we're all up in arms about it and, and saying, no, and so many people are trying to hang on to the old way. When are we going to go back to normal? And, yeah. and there's so many conversations around like the, the new normal, the new normal. Some people are saying the new normal is going to be controlled by AI and some people are saying the new normal is going to be a more conscious world. But I guess that we can create any new normal we want. We've got to focus on what we want to create. What, what, do, you, what do you want to be your new normal? Like, do you want it to be a more conscious, more awake, more uh, sovereign, people taking responsibility for their lives and their health and their, the way they flow their energy and how they create their abundance and create their health and create anything that we live or the new normal by being controlled by robots or AI or governments or whatever. Like, what do you want to create? God, there's so many comments here. I can't keep up with them. Um, organic food, Wendy says. Mark's piping in. Many of us are waking up to corruption. What we need is unity. Why do you think Australians should be united? Oh, there's a conversation going on within conversations here. But anyway, do you want to respond to that? Anything you want to say about that? Oh, yeah. Well, I love what you just said because I've been really happy since the corona thing came in because it's making people, it's because it's like, like it is the destruction. It's the creation through destruction, like you said. Uh, and it's the same thing when somebody has gets a major illness you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you poor thing. I feel sorry for it. And I'm like, oh, yes, this is going to be awesome for you because it's just, you know, it's 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 that breaking down of what was that was not leading you in the right direction. Exactly. And so, never- mindset breaking down of your like yeah. you never become more grateful than when you're sick and people have to look after you right so say you're this arrogant shit that's like telling everyone what to do and you're hating everything and then you get really sick and then people are loving and looking after you and now you're like oh my god I'm so grateful for you and now you're in gratitude and you yeah. stop being an arrogant look I saw this thing with Byron Katie she was talking to this man who was riddled with cancer he'd had his eye taken out he was emaciated so he had this patch on and the conversation was, um, you know, she's always like changing, turning around your stressful thoughts. So is it true? He said, I wish I didn't have cancer. She said, is it true? And he said, yeah, of course it's true. And you look at this emaciated man that looks so terrible and you think logically, yeah, it would be true. And then she says, 
turn it around. I wish I did have cancer. He's scratching his head thinking, how can that be true? How can I wish that I, she said, tell me what you've learned since you had cancer. It's going to make me cry. He said, I've never loved, I've never loved my wife more than since I've had cancer. I've never appreciated life more than since I've had cancer. I've never felt more alive since I've had cancer. And then he started rattling off how cancer, which had completely destroyed his physical appearance, had just enriched his life. Mm. And so, and then she said, you know, I, I, I wish I didn't have cancer, turn it around. I wish I did have cancer. He's like, yeah, yeah, I can appreciate having cancer. So mm. I think that that's what we're all being asked to do. It's like, can we appreciate the destruction for what it's creating in our lives instead of hating, hating on it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And one of the things I think that so many people, especially around, I'm in a pretty lucky area to live in. A lot of people have wanted for a long time to be more sustainable, off-grid, homeschooling, growing their own food, uh, forming more community. But this, the system we live in is too convenient. People can drive here, do this, do shit on the internet and whatever. And so now they've kind of always wanted that life, but it's almost like this life is too convenient. So now everyone's coming together more. I'm experiencing more community now more critical thinking, more creative thinking now than in the last 10 years because now there is a stimulus for that and people are going, okay, this is breaking down. So now through that, we're creating something that we actually always wanted in the first place instead of going, oh, no, shit, let's hold on to this system that actually sucked the whole time. <laughs> now they're going, <laughs> well, okay, cool, let's create something new. And I think it's super positive. And, and uh, the outlook around here for most of us is very uplifting. It's not a, it's, yeah, it's uplifting. So what do you want to say to the people in Melbourne? Um, look, it's a totally different thing. You know, I, I totally understand that it's, it's not even close to being a similar thing. A lot of what I'm talking about isn't really that applicable, although on an energetic fundamental level, it certainly is. So the people in Melbourne, I think it's just a really good opportunity for you guys to um, make some really strong decisions for yourself. You can decide what it is that you're not willing to take anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example. If it was me in Melbourne, as long as I didn't love my city, if Melbourne, if I felt it was mine, I'd fight for it. But I'm one of those people that like where I live now is completely beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if the house burnt down today, I'd like watch it burn. And I'd go, oh, it looks cool. And then I'd walk off in that direction. I wouldn't even look back. I'd be like, <laughs> well, there goes some stuff. But there's no such thing as something leaving and, and leaving nothing there. It just doesn't exist in life. So I would just turn in that direction and I'd walk and I'd go, what does life have for me now? Because there's always something to walk into. So if I was in Melbourne and I didn't like it, I'd just leave. But people are like, no, my house, my possessions, my money, my this, my that. And it's like, well, that's what's keeping you there. Not this government, not the thing that's happening. It's your attachment to your sense of security or your possessions or your whatever else. And those have more power over you than a government in most cases. Like most people are tied down. Like even some of the people here that are wanting to create community, I keep telling them if they're creating it out of fear because they don't want to lose their house, it's like you're not going to create something that great because it's coming from the wrong place. You have to create out of something out of joy. Like, hey, I really want this because I want this because I want to create this, not because I fear losing what I have now. It's a different, it's a totally different thing. So for those in Melbourne, I think it's a really good opportunity to get very clear on what is acceptable for you in your life, first of all, and on the under, other end of the spectrum, what it is that you really want in your life. Like, what is it that you want? And if you want something different, leave. If you want to fight for your, for your state, fight for it. If you get enough people together, you'll overthrow that government in a, in a heartbeat. And, um, and there's just something to learn from it. There's something you, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows exactly what's going on behind the scenes. 
there is a small possibility it's actually all for the good. I have heard stories about Melbourne being a real center for some of this un, you know, unsavory activity yeah. that goes on in the world. And that. maybe this is just a cover, keeping people locked in their houses and whatever so that some cleaning can be going on underground. I've heard that's, that story too. Yeah. That's, a, that's a potential. That's so a potential. I think it's really important for people to stop focusing so much on just this, what's in front of my face, what's in the news, uh, why are these police driving down the street and start turning inward and finding out. Because you can find these things out if you really ask yourself, if you're still enough, if you let go of the... Um, you know, the constant, the fear and the oppression, let go of that and just sit with yourself long enough. And you'll probably figure these things out. You'll figure out if it's worth staying or going. You'll figure out if it's for a good or a bad reason. And, and, and no one can argue with that experience either because for you, it's going to be one thing. And for me, it's going to be something different. But as long as we, we walk into our path or down our path with courage and with uh, faith and humility and everything, it can't go wrong. Mm. You know, it's mm. like people just keep having this idea i won't take that because what if it goes wrong it's like nothing can go wrong you just walk it and then if it's not right you walk a different path or whatever it's mm. just just that i think that's from being homeless several times from losing money several times from like being like you know severely depressed several times it's just what i learned in every single case is as soon as i just surrendered and i just said well look i'm just going to see what happens i'm just going to go in this direction it's like i always landed on my feet without fail like more times than it's possible that that's by chance yeah. and it's only when you're okay to just lose everything that everything just comes back to you in many different ways and i just think that that's what people in melbourne might be dealing with now yeah and to and this and this relates to obviously uh, people listening overseas on my youtube this relates to anyone that's feeling any oppression from any government in any part of the world um, yeah yeah um the question is always how is this serving me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. go well, on. just one one last thing is that uh in order to be effective you have to be competent in something so then the next step after that is once you decide what you want to go if you want to go just go if you want to stay just do it do it in a and you need to stay you need to fight so to speak do it like in a way that is competent and that means learning about your rights learn how to write legal notices learn how the structure works because everything in life has its counter mm. its counterpart its opposite its solution or whatever and it might be your job to find that and you're not going to find it in two days on a google search you're going to have to spend time learning yeah. about structure your rights and then you can do it you can do it it just absolutely this is an opportunity for people to educate themselves about their health and their body uh, you know, like get educated because you can't listen to the mainstream narrative and to educate themselves about their rights and, and their political um, power in this world, in any country. And what there's many shows, YouTube shows out there, people talking about this stuff. I don't fully understand it and I need to get educated because I really don't understand it. But I've listened to a few shows and I'm just scratching my head going, how does that work? I don't even like to think about law and government. Yeah. But maybe we are all being asked to do that and maybe we're all being asked as a global family to to rewrite these laws that haven't really served yeah. uh, unity. Uh, and um, so you've been thrust into the limelight since you put out that uh, video and people are looking to you for support and, and as this leader now, like people are looking to you as a leader. So someone says here, you the man, Tom, keep up the great work. I look at you as the intelligent version of me. Ron says that's hilarious. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, how do you feel about that, Tom, that people are kind of looking to you for answers and to lead them? And uh, Yeah, look, it's... Um... 
I, it's the same reason I didn't want to get really as a, as a politician. I, I think it's a mistake to look to others as your, uh, to lead you or to be an answer to something. I think you can look at to people for inspiration, but it's always got to come from you. So yeah. people can inspire you to become a better version of yourself, but I don't think you should look to you. You'll always be disappointed, put it that way. Right. And I've always, I'm like, I like being unseen. I like being a ghost. I like being on walk anywhere and nobody sees me or knows who I am or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's different now because most people say, know who I am in the street just because I've seen videos or whatever. But, um, and that's, I'm fine with that because if I have a purpose to serve now in this point in time, then so be it. But, um, and I'm happy to do that. But, you know, like uh, as soon as I'm not needed in that capacity, I'm, you know, I'll just go back to living under a rock. It's not like I, uh, I don't need, I don't have a desire. That's the next question. What's in the future for Tom? I don't think it's going to you living under a rock. I'm just going to take Catman says, Katara says, incredibly grateful for both of you. Powerful conversation for mind, body and soul and authentic community. Thanks, Kat. Blessings to you. Um, so what is in the future for like, what, what do you want to create for your life and the future? Like, what's your vision? Well, for me, like my personal dreams always just been to have land near the ocean where it can just be self-sustaining, have food, have animals, have, uh, you know, just everything there and then just ride horses around and ride horses to go surfing and that sort of stuff. And then sounds good though. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be there. Then, yeah. So I think to get there though, there's going to be some work required to protect that kind of the ability to do that because, um, you know, you could do that now if you had enough money, but if, if you don't protect and create a, you know, that this, this oppressive system might just kind of like sweep right through. And then you can't even, even if you bought that with money now, it might not exist in the future. So now is an important time to be creating uh, based on the dreams that we have so that we can have that in the future. Yeah. And uh, so I think, I'm not sure how long it'll go for. Maybe I have to do this for a long time. And if that's what I have to do, then that's what I have to do. I think you'll be busy for a while. Uh, Juliana says, just come over to Brazil, Tom. Big heart. <laughs> <laughs> Darling one, I think that's it. I think we're going to end it there. Any last things you would like to tell people, my audience? So my audience... Uh, I call them the new world teachers, the light uh, weavers, light workers, people, mm -hmm. you know, the difference makers. They're people that know they're here on this earth to make a difference in some way. Uh, that's the people that tune into my shows. We talk about consciousness. We talk about spirituality. We talk about multidimensional. You know, we go into the ETs, how the higher intelligent beings are helping us. They're giving us yep. knowledge. They're giving us technology. We talk about ascended masters, life after yep. death. We go there, you know, we go there. Anything that you'd like to say to our audience, Wendy says, thank you. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, first one thing, Karen, is that uh, you might like to talk to the guys at Crow Radio because we kind of touched on that, that kind of topic where uh, the, you know, the, the other entities and life forms that create and we're part of, but it was way too complex to go into. And they, they, you know, I said, I didn't really want to do a whole show on that, but they're looking for somebody that maybe you might want to talk to them. Um, but, and same with the guys from Alpha Vedic. Um, Dr. Bar Lando and Mike, like they, I think you guys would have a great show together if you wanted to go into that. But just for your audience, I mean, you probably already covered this with them anyway, but uh, I just keep meeting people who are that minded, you know, they, they understand their purpose here, that there's more to it, that there's, there's this tapestry that most people are unaware of. And they, even though they have an awareness of that, they have some level of frustration on two parts. One is that they feel they have to maybe bite their tongue at some point, because if it doesn't land on somebody, it's like, then they lose friends or relationships or whatever. And the other thing is that they, um, they like wonder why they feel 
an obligation or a responsibility to kind of like help people to wake up and then they're not. And then it's kind of, they feel like a bit lost in that. So my advice for them and for anybody this might apply to is that it's not your responsibility to tell anybody anything. I don't think it's like a lot of the visions that I've had. I never, I never share with people. And the reason I don't share with people is because they were my visions. Mm -hmm. And I think that they were for me to find more about myself. I'm not saying this is the right way to think about it. It's just how I think about it. And then in so doing, rather than me having to speak it to somebody, it should show in my being. It should show in my eyes the way I resonate. Somebody should know that I've spoken to God because they can feel it. Mm-hmm. It's like more powerful if they can feel it than if I say, hey, I spoke to God and he said this and I said that. Right. But if, if, I, if through that experience, I become a more unified being and, and I carry a light within me and it comes through me into others, then they can see that. And then just on way deeper levels than speech can provide, they feel something they feel calmer or more relaxed. Hey, I don't feel scared now because that guy's like, there's something about that guy. Uh, and if there's not that level of communication, they're not ready for it, then they're not ready for words either. Mm. So I just feel that for me, I never try to tell people anything. I just, I think that's my point. So therefore I never get stressed about it. I never get worried. If I open my mouth, I don't care if somebody does or doesn't like it. And, um, and I don't feel the need to uh, wake people up, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, look, the energies of life are, is doing it for us. It's like it's, and people are waking up and they're waking up confused, like they're scratching their head. Life isn't what I, I thought it was. Like, like what's going on? So we can be there to say, look, this is, you know, this is what happened to me when I woke up, and and that's really much the, the show. I call it awakening consciousness. Is some people wake up and they go from zero to a million miles an hour like that, right? And yeah. some people wake up really slowly and just they just keep asking questions. Well, if that's well, not true, then what? Yeah. If, if that's not up, true, what is? Yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. When I woke up and I was trying to tell everybody, my friends and family, what was going on, they're all telling me to shut up and go yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> and I really learned that lesson well, that if people are not ready for this conversation, they just don't want to hear it. So don't even try going there. Yeah. Uh, but we can talk about love and we can talk about kindness and unity you know there are topics that we can talk about with our mainstream friends that really resonate i have a friend who doesn't believe in she grew up catholic anything religious or spiritual or anything but she believes in kindness and so we can we have that common ground when we talk about kindness okay so spot on tom thank you both great talk thank you both thank you thank you thank you lots of thank yous thank you tom and just remind people of your website where they can find out more yeah it's tombarnett.tv just go onto the mailing list and it'll be up soon beautiful thank you so much darling one it's been, Best, Karen. It's nice to talk to you it's been a joy fabulous conversation with the wonderful tom barnett yeah as soon as i saw him i thought wow this dude such a galactic ambassador he's definitely hung out in different dimensions and on different planets and he's come to this world armed with armed with knowledge and uh not like we talked about with mary rodwell not so easy to convince um, sort of the mainstream narrative that we have in this world. The great questioner, like me, so related to it, you know, don't, don't take everything at face value. Question, question everything. And just like we said, I would suggest that we all do that. Question everything, everything I say, everything he says, everything the mainstream narrative says, everything anyone says. Question it and ask your heart, ask your inner guidance, is this true for you? Is this Because what's true for you today might not be true for you tomorrow. So you've got to keep asking questions. You've got to keep questioning what you're listening to and, and who you're listening to. And 
what's not okay today. I've questioned many people and thought, nah, I don't want to listen to that. And then years later, I've come back to it and like, yeah, actually I want to listen to that now. So I wasn't ready to listen to it then, but then later I was. It doesn't mean that the information is true or false. It's just what is true or false for you, where you are, what you want to create in your world right now. And uh, yeah, as we were talking about with Tom, he's become the reluctant guru because <laughs> he's he's been the great questioner and he's asked a lot of questions and gone down a lot of rabbit holes and he's got a lot of answers. And so people are looking to him for answers. But he would ask you to do the same as he did, just, keep, just seek out answers, just keep look at everything and, um, and listen to what's true for you and what your heart is saying. So, uh, yes, I think I'd, I'll um, ask him to come into our little tribe next year, the Inner Sanctum. It's our online tribe uh, to, um, to answer some questions. If you have more questions about what's happening in our world, who knows what world we're going to be living in when we hit 2021. We're not far away from it now. Only around the corner, and I'm yet to book the inner this the guest teachers for the inner sanctum next year. But I'll definitely ask Tom if he wants to come in and talk to our tribe. I could do more Facebook lives with him. Anyway, he's a busy dude now. Um, lots of people asking him a lot of questions, like wanting his time. But a couple of teachers coming up this month: Lori Ladd and hopefully Penny Kelly. I still haven't heard from her. I've got to send her another email. And uh, I'm there every week. If you want to ask me questions, as you know, I'm sort of well-versed in all this stuff too. Having gone down that allopathic medicine route, even though I didn't study medicine, when you study as a naturopath back then, 35 years ago, you study everything a doctor studies except pharmacology. So we're not studying the use of drugs because we're not prescribing drugs. So why study it? We did look into a few of them but symptomatology and diagnosis anatomy and physiology and all that sort of stuff we studied all that stuff and as i said i left after five years full-time study every day for five days a week nine to five every day uh i left after five years thinking uh, nope i didn't see anything that i wanted to practice <laughs> not to say that naturopathy is not great what I wanted to practice. I'm happy for other people to practice it, but what I wanted to practice. But it was so educational. And I think as a society, we all need to be educated about all the systems that are in place and if we want to participate in them. And just like I said to Tom, I am not educated in the political systems. I am not educated about my rights. So that's something that I need to get educated on, on my sovereignty and what's my rights. And, and as we are going to get forced into doing things or try to be forced into doing things, the guides have actually said that mandatory vaccinations will be rolled out, but it will fail. That's what they've said. And I don't know how it'll fail. I guess that a lot of people will push against it. I don't know how it'll fail. I don't know. I'm, who knows? So we'll see. We've, yeah, the next few years are playtime, planet Earth, as we go through this shift, shift, change, change of systems, breaking down of the old, creation of the new. So you are the creators. You are the difference makers. You are the ones that are focused on what we want to create. So take your focus off what's crumbling and stop saying, oh, it's a shame it's crumbling and put your focus on what you want to create. Somebody said uh, on a comment the other day when I said that um, I looked down the street, major street up the road, and over 50% of the shops had closed down. Restaurants, homeware shops, fashion shops. And they're like saying, a shame, a shame, small business, it's terrible that it's attacking small business so that the big businesses thrive and the small businesses fail. 
that's kind of focusing on what's crumbling. It is a shame that small businesses are closing down and big businesses are thriving. Everything's shut except for big conglomerates. So Amazon doesn't shut and uh, bottle shops, funnily enough, don't shut. <laughs> it's funny that you can't get COVID in a bottle shop. Anyway, but that's just focusing on what you don't want. So focus on where people who have shut their fashion shop or their homeware shop or their restaurant what they can put their energy and, and time into that's going to, maybe they're going to start growing organic vegetables or maybe they're going to start a business that is a more sustainable business that's kind of serves the masses. Do we need it? Do we, seriously, I used to have a homeware shop, but do we need another homeware shop? Do we need more stuff in the world? Do we need more fashion? I love fashion, don't get me wrong, love to shop, but do we really, do we need more fashion shops in the world? Look at the malls, Phil, anyway. Maybe we can put our energy into creating a new world everyone can benefit from. So yeah, look towards what you want to create. I'm going to stop rabbiting now and join our little tribe if you're interested in knowing more about being a difference maker and an emerging new world teacher and uh, learning more about deliberate creation, how to flow your energy in a way that benefits your life and everyone else's. And remember to buy the book, Awakened by Death. Thanks again for tuning in and watching. Love you all. Bye for now.